This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known people. Uh, I'm Jim Daly and uh, staring into my eyes through the medium <laughs> of Zoom. I'm staring into my own eyes, it Zoom. <laughs> and everyone looks at their everyone looks at themselves, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah. Look, we're all we're all we're all vain people. It's cool. It's all cool. It's fine. It's cool to be vain now, is it? It's cool to be vain and it, it's okay. It's okay. And uh, I would imagine a lot of people during this lockdown have been discovering things about their own face. I think Zoom. it's more of a... Um, uh, it's like when I look in the mirror to make sure that I don't look terrible. Yeah. It's not about like looking at myself and thinking, yeah, I look good. It's more that I'm not Cat from Red Dwarf. <laughs> good uh, I, think, I think that uh, it's more that I'm just making sure that I don't look terrible. Yeah, same. If yeah, yeah. Um, mostly it's hair for me. If my hair suddenly looks a bit sort of like rubbish, so well, I'm wearing a. I mean, our listeners can't obviously see this, but I'm wearing a hat. Yeah. For, for the last month, I've had a pretty terrible hair. Last month. Yeah, it's been going on quite a long time. I don't okay. know what to do with it. Uh, well, you can't get a haircut right now. No, I, my wife can cut it, so I could, might get her to cut it. Yeah. But I'm sort of trying to sort of grow it out a bit, but it's maybe it's in that that middle sort of bit. But again, no, it's it's, it's we're in lockdown, so I think like people, you can do whatever you want with your hair and stuff. Like I think there's yeah. less, uh, there's less. Why are we talking? We often about talk about hair, aren't we? We do. We've got. Uh, we need to sort of change uh, change it up a bit. I'm a bit obsessed with hair. That's, that's just, yeah, that's, that's true. That's thing, and, so. and 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 jeans as well. I mean, funny enough, you talk about like kind of appearances on on today's pod, don't you? Because you, yeah. you bought some. I mean, there's a an amazing anecdote about buying jeans. <laughs> it's not amazing. Um, and, uh, Barely an anecdote. <laughs> 
I I'm a bit obsessed with cloves. We've just come up before. I like okay. Think about cloves quite a lot, and I look at cloves and other people and think that looks now, good. And but I can funny, never replicate it? it myself. It's no, no, I, I, I'm I'm not obsessed with cloves, but I, I like you know I'm 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 into trying to look cool. Um, yeah, but. I think it's hard. I think you know, my wife and I've had this discussion. It's a lot harder for guys in a way because there's only so many different combinations of things. I mean, so you know, trousers, yeah, shorts, Good start. yeah, t-shirt, yeah, jumper, cardigan. That's back kind shirt. of shirt, maybe. Yeah, shirt. so nice I mean, jacket. there's suits, I obviously, nice but I mean, a lot. Suits. yeah, jacket. If, suits. If you want there aren't as many combinations suit. of things you can try as there is. Yeah, but or... it's more about the colour that suits you. Okay. My mother-in-law, who we live with, used to like dress for stage and TV, and it's all about your colouring. So mm-hmm. certain colours will suit your skin and yes. your complexion. Um, and it's fit for me. I, I hate mm. the idea of clothes not fitting properly. That's why I hate the 90s. I don't hate the 90s, but I used to hate like clothes in the 90s because they're all so baggy. But now mm. I'm getting a bit older, and like my dad board is getting into full swing. I used to buy like everything in small and extra small, so I liked it sort of tight fitting. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing now that actually you want a more of a not relaxed fit, but a comfortable fit. I don't yeah. want my my t-shirts to pinch under my arms. I just want them to like fit comfortably. Um, yeah. which I think it's probably a sort of oh, I'm in my mid thirties now, so it's like a dad's thing. But like I, I'm definitely obsessed. Like the screenshots I'm showing you now is that the screenshot. Mm. Um, it's like a Pinterest phone. board. It's like a Pinterest board. It's just screenshots of clothes and shoes mm. and stuff that I've seen on Instagram and stuff, and it's there's quite a lot in there, um, which I like to look at and then pretend. And Instagram have very very cannily put um, their shop button where the notification button used yeah, to be, which I've is very that. very cheeky. It's very so, cheeky, you know, yeah. and it's going to take us quite some months to start pressing the button at the top. Do you have reels on your Instagram? No. No, I don't. But I've got. So I've got. I'm obviously linked to four different accounts on my Instagram. My mm. personal one, the blank one, uh, and then two other podcasts that I do, and they've all got reels. But my personal one doesn't. Mm. Which and it's the oldest account of. So I don't know. That's that's. Again. I don't think we're missing out. To be honest. No, I just I do get FOMO, so I want to. I want the option to have it to then not mm. do it. Yeah, of that course, of course. But, yeah, um, we always want what we can't have. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right, man. <laughs> God, I'm right. Sorry. Um, I I'm embracing the slightly more comfy fit yeah. on the clothing. Yeah. Um, and um, I've bought a new hoodie this week, which I'm very pleased with. This is purple one. I'm wearing it now. Mm, it's nice. Um, it's it's nice. H&M. It's very I nice. think it depends on the clo- depends on the outfit. Hoodie. I think you need to go a size up. I think yeah, hoodie is allowed so, to be slightly yeah. baggier and comfortable. Well, and also if you if you mistakenly put it in the tumble, it will shrink slightly. I bought a so, hoodie for a band I liked a couple of years ago, and they'd clearly printed it on Shed not 7. great quality. <laughs> it wasn't Shed 7. Uh, they'd clearly printed it on bad quality hoodies because uh, I bought a small, and it was so such so tight that I couldn't get my hood in my head in the hood. It, it was too small. Then I bought you a your head in the hood, and that sort of goes in... against the, the sort of whole purpose of it. Then I bought a medium, uh, which fitted better around the body. Still couldn't get... Well, I could oh, just about get the rubbish. hood up, but it, looked, it was like tight, and it looked... Yeah, it was a really bad hoodie. What was the band? Wolfpack, right? Yeah, not a household name. <laughs> no, they're good though. They're, they're, they're yeah. sort of like funk. They're quite. They're, they're good. Yeah, they're like Californian or something. But um, well done. Anyway, good band crap hoodies. <laughs> good band crap hoodies. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the, again, I'm now trying. I think with clothing, it's uh, like you need to probably spend a little bit more to get like a good something that's good quality. It's going to last. It's going to fit. It's, mm. it, if you. 
I'm always looking for like cheap clothing deals, but then like if you buy something really cheap, then it will fall apart quicker or mm. might not fit as well. So anyway, I, I just spend a lot of time thinking about clothes. Probably no, but too it's an much. interesting segue into today's um, episode where we talked we've got about someone that wears clothes on the podcast. Well, that, that's always a bonus. But I, no, what I was going to say was we talked quite a lot about how there is a lot of content out there now, but not all of it is that yeah. great. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, there's obviously lots of brilliant stuff. Um, but also there's lots and lots of stuff that isn't so good. And actually, you know, how do you wade through all that stuff? And I'm um, just thinking like, you know, th- th- I guess you could say the same about clothes. Yeah, you, seamlessly done. Seamless. Um, yes, yeah, the nature of online content now, isn't it? There's going to be a lot more. It's nature of, you know, we know this through Twitter. Twitter's like very noisy and loud, but there are, there is good stuff in there. Mm. But it's difficult to see it sometimes because the rest of it's so uh, overwhelming. Um Anyway, we should probably introduce our guest, shouldn't mm. we? Uh, it's Naomi Wilkinson. Yeah, TV presenter. Naomi. Lovely yeah, she, person. Ah, oh, so lovely. I've been wanting to get Naomi on for ages because she's so lovely. She's just a lovely person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've sort of, like, obviously you're going through the sort of CBB's years now. And yeah. I obviously went through them a few years ago. And we watched lots of programmes with Naomi. And then obviously she was a presenter on Milkshake and she produced on that as well. And we talked a lot about her her sort of first foray into show business, in inverted commas, which is, of course, b- being a, a red coat. Yeah. Um, many brilliant um, people have gone into show business from that uh, stepping stone. So, yeah, that was really interesting and finding out some of the sort of darker aspects <laughs> of the red coat life um, <laughs> was interesting too. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was so lovely to talk to her, and she's like you. I think you said after we finished, she's got such great energy about her. Yeah, yeah. I thought you know we t- we do talk about briefly about. Uh, oh, actually, it was, it was afterwards uh, about recording on Zoom as opposed to in person with mm. lockdown. And another one of our guests that would have been lovely to be in the same room with and have yeah. a cup of tea with. And but obviously, you know, lockdown is making us thankfully still be able to do this podcast and connect to people. But um, mm. yeah, it's a lovely person. Um, some great stories about TV presenting, and then then we talk about sort of the industries in general and uh, the pitfalls and stuff that come with that and the struggles. But I think it was an overwhelmingly positive episode today. She it seems was, like, yeah. You know, she said she's a positive person, so mm. there was a lot of sort of positive angles, I think, on what could be frustrating moments. So I think that's that's probably the main takeaway from the episode. Yeah, there's a today. lot lot in there for any you know, any well freelancers in general, but any. Um... And I would say any kind of cre- uh, creative freelancers, for sure. There was lots of um, things that we talked about. And um, yeah, it was really nice to sort of discuss that. Three freelancers in a room, being able to talk <laughs> about those those uh, sort of pitfalls and uh, uh, certain um, barriers you have to get through as a, as a, as a creative um, person. And some, you know, and, and, and actually those risks you take going freelance. I mean, for Naomi, she had a, a, a regular gig with, um, milkshake and channel five and um decided to go a different route to try new and to to try new opportunities and and try new things and you know that's a, sometimes could be a big risk and uh yeah. you know it's, it paid off for her but um yeah it's great to hear all that stuff as well absolutely um before we delve into it should we read a tweet or two out i've got loads of tweets and i'm not sure which one to choose so i'm going to read one first if that's all right and then yeah. if you've chosen one and it's the same tough <laughs> 
here, I've got one here from Natalie Stevenson. She said she listened to the Mark Commode episode of The Blank Pod. It was lovely and wonderful and was a lovely way to celebrate a day of mighty man. Okay, she must have been listening to it on International Men's Day. Oh. Uh, so I hope on some level this has saved a little of your day. Thank you for drawing my attention to m- more of your lovely work, guys. Love your tweets. That's a very nice tweet to receive. Thank you very mm. much. And I've got hit one here from Catherine Keane, um, who uh, pops up on my feed quite a lot, actually. She's very supportive of the podcast. Says, I love being able to dip into Blank Pod, and they are perfect for that. This one with at Real Lorraine, a lovely oh, Lorraine yes. Kelly, is full of her positive and uplifting energy and fun stories. Thank you, Giles and Jim. Five stars as well. We'll take that five star review. That nice. was a good I'm, episode with Lorraine. It was. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Um, I'm going to read one more. We're going to do three this week. We've had so many lovely messages. And, it's you know, we all like to read them all out, really. But I think that wouldn't be very nice for our listeners. Um, There's one from Hodgemeister. She says, I've recently discovered the wonderful blank pod. Hodge would like to say a thank you. And there's a lovely picture. I'm not sure what the breed of dog is, but it's a very, very lovely. He looks very comfy and cosy to be snuggled up against um he says uh thank you to giles and jim and the guests for keeping us company on our walks a gem of a find really great guests lots of open honest chat enlightening and entertaining you couldn't ask for more that's really nice quite a few people have said that we are their walk companions um which is really nice to to you know that that's precious time actually on a walk so we appreciate that you've chosen us for that uh for that time so thank you very much yes brilliant thank you so much well we should probably crack on with today's pod yeah let's uh let's go into it now this is the wonderful naomi wilkinson on the blank podcast Um, now, I was going to start with, how's everybody feeling about Twitter fleets? Jim? Um, I don't even know what they are. What's, t- what's that? Okay. So it's like... So you know how Instagram has the stories? Yeah. yeah. Twitter's brought in their own version, which is called fleets. Oh, no. Yeah. So basically, it, Twitter's become Instagram. Overnight. Do you know what my heart feels about that is like, oh no, something else to record and be putting out and be making. Yeah. 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 It's so exhausting, isn't it? How long it takes to do all the platforms <laughs> and all the different parts of the platform. Yeah. <clears throat> That's, that was my feeling behind it. And then I, I, so last night I put out a tweet saying, oh, I liked it when Twitter was Twitter. It wasn't like Instagram. And then I realised that I've actually got a lot more followers on Twitter and actually it would be quite useful to use, <laughs> to yeah. use this as a thing. Uh, and then I've spent the last sort of um, 24 hours putting, posting loads and loads of stuff on it. So I've kind oh, okay. of um, gone, gone I'm back on my word. Yeah. Do many, um, people, so do many anyway. people view them? Can you see how many people have viewed them? You can see how many people have viewed them. And is that encouraging or depressing? It was really encouraging, actually. Oh, oh okay. Oh. So you're like, so, scrap yeah. the other ones, forget those. <laughs> yeah, forget I was Instagram. like, I'm not even going to use Instagram anymore. Fleet, did you say it's called? But what I was going to ask you, Naomi, do you, how how do you feel about all these different platforms and having, to, like you say, having to work? Like, there's so much time I spent, find it, like, p- posting in yeah, the Yeah, I just find it, because also, I'm not somebody that just um, chucks stuff out there really, really quickly. I, I take yeah. a lot of time and care mm. over making sure I've worded things 
in the way I'd want to and uh, use the photo that I think reflects it right or I don't know yeah so it takes me so long and I think if I was somebody who was a bit more just chucking stuff out there then it would work for me really well but I think I'm a bit too cautious I'm I'm exactly the same I will have a tweet in my drafts on my my phone for months yeah, possibly same. and then months? I'll event- yeah literally months because I'll be agonizing it yeah and then I'll eventually tweet it and like no one will retweet or like it and it's a complete <laughs> waste of time say much say on Instagram I've got like a photo that I've, I've, I've actually got one now at the moment that I'm trying to work out the best like caption for it and stuff and I know that, n- that no one will care as much yeah, as I will about yeah. it in that moment but and it's when you think it's going to get quite a good reaction and you're quite excited about it and then it gets nothing yeah. you're like oh man that was a yeah. waste of time yeah, it's really depressing. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that is frustrating. I think actually sometimes the spontane the spontaneous kind of um, uh, messages are the ones that, that really fly. Yeah, I think all the ones that I've put out without really I thinking. I think you guys are it. thinking about yeah, it too much. Yeah, that's definitely what yeah. I do. I overthink everything. I remember Giles, you telling me once when you came over to our flat before we went to go and interview was it Rufus Hound? I can't remember. Um, that the best Clang. time to tweet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nice. It might have been Gary Lineker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been. I can't oh, remember. Who was, was it? Oh, no, I was... can't remember. It was one of those Hollywood people. I mean, sure. Well, there's so many, I just forget yeah, who yeah. they are. So, um, anyway, um, <laughs> it was. You said the best time to tweet is uh, after a show is on TV, like an ITV show or something that everyone's watching. Um, Not ITV, yeah, BBC. Yeah, okay, BBC. sorry. CBBC. CBBC, yeah. Which actually, I'm obviously watching a lot of at the moment. But is in the advert break in between a show finishing because that's when everyone gets their phone out uh. and checks Twitter. So, and I've tried it. It doesn't work yeah, for me. That's, but that was my advice. That's good advice. That was advice. I think 7.59, right? Because everyone's had their yeah. dinner. 7.59 is the optimum. On what day of the week? Tweet. What's the optimum uh, day? I think multiple. Oh, any multiple, day. I don't know, actually. Thursday, maybe. Thursday, Thursday. 7.59. I think people are starting to... <laughs> right. Yeah. I think 7.59 is the optimum time. Don't take my word for it. Try this it. is Gels. This happens. is social media consultancy. You should be charging for yeah. this. this. People would pay money oh, to, to hear this advice. Hang in, let me make that stop. Sorry. It's all right, don't worry. Close. Don't want that pinging. As you can see, this it, we, we have a sort of vague kind of way of doing this. Do you? It's just it's just it's just kind of chatting. Okay. And and then yeah, and then hopefully it cobbles together an episode that people will enjoy listening. To. <laughs> of course they will. Of course they will. Yeah. But I, do you know what? I was, I was look. Yeah, I was no. I, I wanted to ask you though because um, I was looking. I did. I, I do do some research on our guests, as <laughs> although it might not have come across that way. Um, and am I right in thinking that you work for Butlins? I did. I was a red coat back in. Amazing. Uh, 90... That is such a prestigious thing, though, isn't it? Being a red yeah. coat. Did it feel prestigious? Um, yeah, there's a lot, lots of reminders all around the place of how prestigious it is. Are there? You know, so that you know. Um, yeah, but obviously there's a lot of people who've gone on to do big things on telly and in the world of entertainment who started off as a red coat. So, yeah, I, I think it was a really good grounding. You certainly... Um, yeah, there's no airs and graces there. You know, you're you're... Your feet are kept firmly on the ground by your colleagues. Um, it's probably the least money I've ever been paid for any job I've ever done. Oh, really? It was, um, yeah, we got paid so poorly for the amount of hours we were doing. Six, day, six days a week and we were kind of working from seven in the morning till ten at night with very few breaks. And wow. your Whoa. Your staff accommodation, which we called sheds, um, was so far away from the 
uh, entertainment site you know we were right at the back of the center so by the time you'd walked back and walked back to the center in your break that was pretty much the time you had <laughs> off anyway <laughs> so is, there, is everyone quite young that's a red coat yeah yeah so everyone's sort of starting off, out just after uni well college, i think you we need, the, sort of you need the energy yeah if you're doing like seven till it 10. was exhausting i look Christ. back i don't know how i did it then i don't know where was your butlins? Minehead. Summer Westworld. Oh, okay. I've been I've there. I've done a gig I've there. Have there. you? I've gigged in Minehead. It's great. Yeah. I do love what, it. What, a no, I don't think it was that. It wasn't that butlins. It was at a cafe in Minehead. <laughs> oh, really? But everyone, but like butlins, butlins was like all the comedians in the car going down there were like talking about butlins. And then you get there and people in the cafe like, we've got a butlins here. Like, we, yeah, we, we know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> mentioned speak. it once or twice. Yeah. yeah. It's the thing. Because our newest one is Bogna Regis. That's nice, that one. Um, yeah. They've got, a, yeah, we've been there a couple of times with yeah. the kids. It's one of those things you think, oh, yeah, Butlins, oh, I don't want to go. But actually, it's it's actually a really nice kind of couple of days away with the children. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely by the it. sea, and it's got the, the level of entertainment exactly. they put on there these days is amazing. They've really upped it's, their yeah, game with the shows they put on. And they have the adult weekends um, where they have great comedians and great music acts. And yeah. They really, they put on good shows. I, I remember going as a child as well, though. I think I remember going as a child and thinking, and, and yeah, I remember like the, obviously the red coats. They had in the sort of souvenir shop, you could buy a picture of your favourite red Yeah, coat. they did that. Did you have <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, it's so cheesy. Yeah, so I, we all had nicknames as well. I was one of the wizard kids, so I was a kid's entertainer then. And uh, my nickname was Fozzy. You just got given these character names. And I was supposed to be a six-year-old girl with a twin brother called Fizzy. Um, <laughs> as part Fizzy of this wizard kid. So, yeah, so I have my Fozzy picture up in the, like, Photoshop. That, as you say, the customers could come along and buy. Really weird. Wow. Fizzy and Fozzy. That's, that's a kid's TV show that never got made. Yeah, Fizzy and, yeah. Fozzy. Fizzy and Fozzy. It's like yeah. Topsy and Tim. Like which I get Jim. confused and called uh, Tipsy and Tom the other day, which is a very different show. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd like to watch that one. Yeah, it's the adult <laughs> version. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just thinking, is there, was there any was there any red coats that like had lot, a surplus of like photographs left? Because I was thinking, <gasps> yeah, there, there was it's quite cruel, isn't it? It's like being picked last for the. There team. was always a competition, and we used to have these meetings on Fridays, red coat meetings, where they would. They would just tell, oh my word, it was awful. They'd sort of come out with the red coat news and they'd expose anybody who'd been up to any sort of cheekiness throughout the week, you know, any scandals, any gossip that really? happened really? in amongst the red coat world. It was all very sort of kept in amongst ourselves. But um, yeah, it was. Yeah, those sort of things would be brought Come on, you've got, you've, <laughs> I knew oh, you like, can't go there. No, but no, you know, like, and not... who was seen hopping out of whose window late at night? Or, oh, you okay. know, which, I don't know. Yeah, naughty, naughty things. I, that has there ever been a sitcom written about Butlins? Because it's I think they did a kind of, Well, it's Hardy High, isn't it? They did there? a kind of behind-the-scenes, fly-on-the-wall documentary about it, I think, a few years ago. Probably quite a lot mm, of years sounds ago. Like it's yeah, that sounds rich like it would be right for content. content. But, yeah. Yeah. That's a Channel 5 yeah, show. Yeah, and you couldn't show it all. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was going that back was years fine. as well, where, you know, things were a yeah. bit different. But I, I guess for you, like, that was a good kind of... Uh, hop. I guess, was it your intention to go into kind of... Not show business. Children's such, telly. To do performing. Children, to performing children's yeah. telly was what I really wanted to do. From being very, very little, I really had my heart set on doing that and 
from watching all Brian Canton play away and oh, mate. you Brian know Kent. what's her name Carol Leader on Chock Block <laughs> and do you remember Chock Block checking in. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved yeah, that I loved show. It. That was such a great um, show. And then things like Philippa Forrester in the Broom Cupboard and Sarah Green yeah. and Blue Peter. I'm showing my age now, but, you know, these are the people. I, I think we be might like. be a similar age. I'm 43. 46, I am. So, okay, yeah, so older. we probably li- watched the same so programs. Same, yeah. So Brick oh, yeah. was Brian. I loved that show. with Brian. Yeah, Brian Cat. I mean, he just pops up in all sorts, didn't Absolute he? So, legend. Yeah, that's interesting. Play Away. That yeah. was another favourite. Play away so was I think great. from watching all of those programmes as a kid, and mm. I watched children's telly way beyond when I should have been watching it, I think. I didn't sort of stop. <laughs> I just loved it. And even into my teens, I was still watching it. And I think I just knew that I wanted to work in children's telly if I could. So I set my sights on it quite young and just was pretty... Um, dedicated to the cause of trying to get a job it was difficult you know I've got a whole folder of rejection letters that I've kept because um, it was hard to get you know, get the first break in and you know I was knocking on a lot of doors um, but yeah eventually it worked out so yeah I think that's the same with any entertainment industry isn't it that it is just that first that first door and that first opening it's it's so difficult yeah. you have to you just have to be relentless, don't you? I was lucky because I was when I was at Redcoat at Butlin. So Stephen Mulhern was a Redcoat at Minehead. I think he oh, wow. left the year before me, or a couple. No, he'd left a couple of years before me, but he'd come back and visit all the time and still do shows there. And he still does shows there every year. And I worked with him eventually on Fingertips on CITV, a kind of art show. Um, but at the time, he was working on CITV uh, Prez, their kind of links in between the shows, and um, so I was asking him all the time for advice on how do I how do I get into children's telly who should I write to what do I do and he was the one that advised me to make a show reel and send that off to various people so I thank him a lot for his guidance and sort of opening up doors for me what what did you do on that show reel oh well the first one I made was embarrassing like (laughs) oh I was just trying to do things like pretending I was a blue peter presenter cooking in the kitchen and out in the garden with my parents yeah doing a make and do doing a bit of tap dancing just really embarrassing I've still got it but I never want anyone to ever see it (laughs) but that's well you so it's interesting because you've obviously done like in that one video you did lots of lots of different stuff were you trying to tick lots of boxes like I I can do a bit of dancing I can do a bit of singing I can do a bit of this no it's just all (laughs) painfully embarrassing when I look back yeah um, but that sounds like the sort of thing that should be on a, a children's I TV so, yeah. showreel. Mm. What was what, what was it, on your better showreels that actually like worked? Um, well, then when I became a red coat, then I was able to do a few more things with uh, you know the odd celebrity guest who'd come on campus, and we could sort of interview them, mm. or you know, you had a little bit more access to shows that you'd done and things. So. <laughs> I made a slightly improved one when I was a, a red coat. <laughs> every every showreel is always better than the last one, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and also had had my red coat friends to help me film it, other than my mum, you know, bless her. So played to the back. And what were you filming back there? I guess it was, did you have a camcorder? Yeah, that's where it was so difficult. You do it all on video camera, and then you had to yeah. transfer it to a VHS, and then if you wanted to do any edits, yeah. you had to do VHS to VHS with a pause and record, so it looked really oh, ropey, wow. you know, with wow. the sort of, and the sound wouldn't edit and and then you'd have to send off then you'd have to make copies to send off to each person so it was a different vhs and a different little envelope 
with a cover letter. You know, there's, it's so much easier now. You do it all on your phone, slick yeah. edits, add the music, fire it off on a link to somebody. So yeah, yeah. it was a real headache then. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember being like doing in bands, like thinking about like having to do um, send off like demos and stuff, and it's a similar sort of thing. And it's so easy yeah. now to like send, you know, the kids today. They don't, they don't know how easy they We do. My wife and I do car, advert castings, and there have been some cast. It's all self tapes at the moment. And there's been some castings recently where they want you to film on your phone. They want phone footage, and because the phones are so good, they're going to use that footage in the final advert. So it's just going are straight you in. Serious? Yeah, just going straight. Film, film yourself, film yourself laughing about something. <laughs> oh, so great! <laughs> um, and that will be that. If we use that, you'll get however much money. But yeah. Well, I guess it's 1080p, it's so isn't yeah. it? It's all yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. mad. It's Everything mad. has just become so much easier. So I moved on to Milkshaker Channel 5 where I used to produce as well. And and the same thing there when we used to edit and we had to do it all on DigiBeaters and on their machines. And that was such a rigmarole as well. Just putting a clock at the beginning of um, a programme took ages. Which <laughs> <Is that laughs> you know, just drag and drop something, don't you? And it takes seconds. It was... Um, and I think in that instance, because we were doing links in between programmes, that meant we had to make hundreds of them, you know, so a programme is a good half hour, hour long solid thing and you've just got to give it one clock, for example. <laughs> Every mm. single link we did had to have its own separate clock and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was just a yeah, real palaver back in the day. Yeah, it makes you wonder how yeah. any TV shows ever got made. I know. It just, <laughs> just taken hours. It was. And all in four by three and a bit rubbish quality as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going slightly further back, like at school, obviously you said you, you know, you were into like kids TV and stuff. And that was something that you were uh, from an early age, you kind of thought about doing. But what was school like? Was was were you academic? Mm, my sister was very academic. So my older sister, she's two years older than me. And so I was always trying to, you know, I had a bar that I was trying to reach. And I was definitely more into the creative subjects, into art and music and things like that. Um, I went to an all-girls school. Um, so I think I probably okay. did better in s- subjects than I would have done it if I'd have gone to a, a mixed school. Um so I think in terms of my grades, I probably did better, but socially it probably wasn't as good for me in those formative mm. years as it could have been, I think. But yes, I, I tried hard. I was a bit of a goody-goody. I, I didn't mess about. I tried as hard as I could. Um, so I did all right, but I was a bit of a sort of average at a lot of subjects and not particularly brilliant at any. Mm. That's what I was as well. Just sort of got by. Did yeah. did enough. Did enough for them. Got did by. Did enough for the maths but, and science yeah, and things that exactly. I needed to get. Just scraped through subject. those. Yeah. Sort of go um, under the radar. You know, don't <laughs> don't get you know. Drop the them as soon as I could, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. And Same. then sort of focused on art and music and things that I absolutely loved. Yeah. I did all right in those. So did you go to university? You I went to, to dance college. Um, yeah, oh, did you? Okay. so I went to the London College of Dance in Bedford and trained to be a dance teacher, a children's dance teacher. So teaching children how to do ballet, tap, modern jazz, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, mm. But we were connected, thankfully, with Bedford College so we could use their student union and stuff. So we did get a, a degree of normal student life through being able to team up with them. 
because we were mm. quite a small college, you know. It was only about, I don't know, 10, 10 girls in my year group. Wow. It, <laughs> it was, yeah. That's tiny. Really tiny. So, yeah, we were glad that we could uh, actually have a social life outside of dancing around in our leotards and ballet shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of my uni as well. Yeah, so many. Yeah. So yeah, many he was like, that was it. Uh, yeah. Well, you're a journalism yeah, yeah. degree. No wonder I'm not a journalist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, yeah. I, you, I find uni for me was fifty percent, not really academia, fifty percent studying, fifty percent social. It's just it's a weird time in your life where you just you're learning how to grow up and 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 do adult stuff. I remember I got my first student credit card, and I think I wiped it out within a week. Possibly, oh, only five hours. I was I'm so bad with money, so bad. What did you buy? Just like going out and like there was a snooker snooker hall near us. I mean, my mate Mike would just bought go down the table. snooker hall. Yeah, <laughs> bought the hall. <laughs> so I owned that for a bit. Um, we would just go there. Where we, I mean, first year at uni, you just you just don't you don't really study. It depends depends on the degree, I would imagine as well. But like with our one, yeah. Just, see, we'd... that's where mine was very very different. So we were, and we'd all talk about it. So I would be quarter to quarter to nine on a Monday morning in our leotards, ballet tights and stuff, at the bar, ready for a whole day of dance classes. And it was three till six every day, so it was nine till six dancing. So we didn't have all those... I think you have all the periods off, don't you, where you just watch films and chill out at home or whatever. We just didn't do anything. I just don't remember doing anything. I mean, that, that to me, sounds like a better preparation for a sort of working life than what I went through. And then I got to my third year and thought, oh, shit, I better do some work. Better study now, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I didn't. I did uni the wrong way. Sold around. that snooker table. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sold the snooker ball. Um, maxed out another credit card. Um, yeah, no, it's a weird time, isn't it? It's a weird time, I think, growing up then. So, um, but it's interesting, though, Jim, because I was thinking, like, obviously, for you, Naomi, you were, you, you were a bit starting to sort of be grounded into a into a sort of uh, a work ethic and stuff, um, which I guess you could take forward. But I think, for I guess, for like you say, Jim, for a lot of students. They, they can be quite lost when they come out of of, of the higher education um, and possibly because maybe they've not had not got used to particularly going into like doing a normal job like a nine to five job or something it's probably quite depends a bit what a you've studied shop. depends what you want to do I think a lot of people go to university or college and don't know what they want to do so they do a subject and think oh I'll, I'll do English I'll do history or something and then sort of see see what happens after uni yeah but Naomi you clearly had a, a clear goal of what you wanted to do so I guess that's yeah, I think it really know, helped yeah so my husband, he's a camera operator, and he's similar. He knew what he wanted to do when he was probably earlier than 10, had a, a goal of that. And wow. then he was able to sort of structure his learning, uh, knowing what would help him to try and achieve that goal. And same with me. And I think, it, yeah, I think it really helped us, actually, to to have that end goal. But I completely understand where people don't know what they want to do and then there's a lot to be said for just letting things kind of um organically find you almost you know you follow Mm. what your interests are and then you find it takes you down a path and in some ways it's quite nice to to let that happen and and see see where life takes you and you know there's a lot of people who have done jobs I've got a friend in Australia who trained to be a vet and she trained for years and years and years did it and then after so many years of being a vet decided it wasn't for her at all and she's now works as a travel agent um and completely had a career change and loves it 
Mm. Obviously mm. not this year. Um, but not the best, not the best <laughs> year. For, for <laughs> but, you know, I think there's no, there's also nothing to stop you changing. Mm. So you know, yeah. and I think a lot of us do go, oh, I might want to try something new now. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I would say at the I age think... of ten, I wanted to be a footballer. Oh yeah. Um, which obviously didn't happen. Uh, still trying though. I, then I wanted to be. Well, before that, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I love dinosaurs. Right. Uh, then it turns out you have to be quite into science, I think, to do that. So um, <laughs> that got canned yeah. quite quickly. Um, it sounds exciting, doesn't it? When you watch Jurassic yeah, yeah, Park, yeah. you think, oh, this is going to be great. And then... Dusting yeah, for, like, dino prints. Not, 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 not a detective, dinosaur yeah. detective, but, like... Yeah, so that was too much work. Uh, footballer didn't happen. Uh, then wanted to be a writer of some sort. Well, then I wanted to be a journalist. Then went to did journalism at uni. I feel, like, I feel like I'm being interviewed on this episode. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I like it. You're interviewing yourself. <laughs> so, Jim, why are you so great? Well, thanks, Jim. Um, I'm glad you've asked that. No, but then and then sort of did it, but then got to like mid-20s and thought, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not really enjoying this. Went to America, coached football, came back, wasn't sure what to do, got into comedy. Like, you can, you can change your mind and you yeah. can do other stuff. And it doesn't matter when. You could do that in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Like, the, exactly. the options are out there. And I think that is something that people do put too much pressure on themselves going, oh, I, I, I must know what I want to do. Especially, you know, when you are yeah. at A-levels and university age and you're thinking, what am I going to do with my life? I think it's, mm. no, it's, it's not a bad thing to not really know at that stage. Yeah, because I things agree. come along all the time, don't they? Like, and I think in some ways, I was thinking about it with with COVID and how our year has been. The last ten years of my life, I've been freelance. So I worked at Milkshake and I was staff there at Channel Five for ten years. But then after I left there, I became freelance and worked for CBBC. But um, I think being a freelance presenter, you never really know what you're going to be doing in the next three months, six months time, anyway. So mm-hmm. I think there was a certain degree of preparation and from a mental point of view um, that I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen next anyway in my life. And I'm sort of used to riding that wave. Whereas for people who mm-hmm. completely know where they are and know what they're supposed to be doing for the next five years, um, have really had the rug pulled out from under them. And that must be very, very difficult, I think. Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed. Uh, Giles, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah, we've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time to tell us about their own situations, their own experiences of blank moments. And sometimes that can be from a personal life, from their career, the relationships they're in, or maybe it's a public situation. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything. Social anxiety, imposter syndrome, just sort of generally being off form, having an identity crisis. I mean, it's all part of the human condition. And yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless yeah so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod so whether it's uh, public failure social anxiety fear mental health grief all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast 
Yeah, I mean, and those guests include Louis Theroux, David Harbour, Reg D. Hunter, Dawn French, Rachel Paris, Amanda Abington, John Ronson, Rufus Sewell, Gary Lineker, all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments. And what we've done is we've dived into them, um, explained how we relate to them, talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us. And we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us. Yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstones.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree, actually. Because, I mean, you know, obviously Jim and I are freelancers as well. And I think uh, particularly through this time, um, people have been saying, how's it going and everything. And uh, and obviously financially, there's a more of a strain. But generally, I've had bits of work coming up. So it's actually it's been, been all right. And you, and you sort of think, oh, actually, it's been yeah. okay. Like, actually, for the first time, generally, in normal times, being a freelancer is this perilous journey. And actually, at the moment, it's been okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> and, then it, and you sort of feel, you know, and then it is. And I feel very, very grateful for it. But um, it is a per- it is perilous being freelance, and I think you are kind of always a bit sort of hand to mouth, yeah, aren't you? Totally. Uh, you know, and yeah. especially children's television. You know, I think people think that all television yeah. has. You know, if you're working in television, you're rich, and it's just not the case. <laughs> you know, children's telly is working on such tight budgets all the time, and I think the content we create on the budgets we've got is pretty incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, none of us are rich, and we're all surviving kind of month to month, and. It's it's not as easy as I think people kind of think it is for us. I think if people see that you're on the TV, they just assume you've been chauffeured driven everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like lots of children say, "Oh, do you live in a palace?" (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you got your own private helicopter and stuff, and you go, "No, no, I don't." Yeah. I, uh, it's yeah. so funny because I get I, I do you know one of the most frequently asked questions when I do school events with books with when I go in and do like readings and stuff is um, is is questions about my financial really yeah um, position yeah they it's want really interesting kids are just like hmm, yeah do I want to be a writer yeah. how much money do you earn <laughs> oh you're a millionaire <laughs> yeah 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 and he's like no yeah. yeah I I had to I had to get the school to pay for my train ticket here yeah. today <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly either that or I'm yeah. pretty against yeah, myself it's funny assessment. though the perceptions yeah, yeah I, like, I left yeah. a school once when I'd done a talk and um, I was leaving in the to the to my go and get my car in the car park and I heard the kids running after going let's see what car she's got and I was like <laughs> oh no I've got a Honda Jazz please don't come and look it's embarrassing we've got a Honda Jazz as well actually it's a great car <laughs> it's but, really yeah, reliable it's not a really celebrity car is it <laughs> Uh, that's where I'm going wrong. Is, is, that, it, is that weird that, it, is that that like, kids, are, kids are asking about money that young? Is that worrying? Maybe. Is that yeah. weird? 
Should we be worried? It's a bit strange. I do. Uh, yeah, I find it a bit strange. But then I guess it's just that curiosity that you, I guess because you you're perceived as being a celebrity of some yeah, sort. Yeah, is that there, celeb culture? They kind of associate. Mm. Yeah, and they associate like you know if uh, if David Beckham came into their school, it'd be a similar. You know, they'd be like, oh, you know, they they. Yeah, I don't think he's driving perceive... a Honda Jazz. Though, no, I don't think. No, he's definitely not driving a Honda Jazz. <laughs> That'd be amazing if he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, but it is that perce- yeah i think it's that perceived perception and 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 the, the celebrity culture that the, the, the yeah young people pick up very mm. quickly yeah. you know even my i mean my kids um avid youtube watchers and 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 watching the gamers and stuff and some of those gamers they they are very wealthy yeah, very. and and they often show videos of them you know like there's one down to tm that they really like and he'll do a video of him going out to his his lovely brand new BMW, you know, and and his nice house and stuff, and you think, well, yeah, that's um, that's just, and and they're seeing that, and I'm sort of, you know, saying, that's not no, normal. no, no, <laughs> you know, saying to the kids, that's that's um, how yeah. old are yours, Dad? What mine are eleven and thirteen, okay. so they are starting to kind of realise that that's not necessarily the like how life yeah, is. <laughs> some very lucky few, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's not obviously every YouTuber. That's a that's a minuscule amount of. Yes. But, well, you're yeah. <laughs> as a YouTuber who makes zero money from it. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah, I joined uh, your club. Turns out, yeah, turns out the adverts don't pay very well. Um, <laughs> I I randomly got a message from a friend the other day. I'm not, not going to name him, but um, we've got a mutual friend, and he was chatting to him about something, and then in passing, this mutual friend mentioned like finances and stuff, and my mate texted me and was like. Okay, so he's definitely a millionaire, and uh, I don't know why we're both so obsessed with this friend and how much money he makes. But <laughs> I, this this particular millionaire, he's probably not, but he's probably very well off. But he's Just bought a new Honda <laughs> and a snooker table. <laughs> he's definitely a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, if Honda Jazz want to sponsor the podcast, by the way, then uh, they're more than welcome to. Um, but he, he's someone who I know did a certain career and has sort of moved out of that and now does more manage, managerial admin sort of stuff. Sort of, you know, the further you get away from creativity, I think there's there's more chance of sort of making money once you go up the scale of the management sort of system. That's a sad statement. I'm you, trying to put I'm trying to say he sold out, but I'm trying to say it in the <laughs> politest possible yeah, yeah. way. And because uh, I think about money all the time, like being a sort of freelancer and as you say, Naomi, sometimes it's month to month and you mm. sort of you don't know where the money's coming from. You have, you have a good month, you have a bad month. You have yeah. a good three months, you have a bad three months. And so I do think about oh should I just uh, get a normal job or whatever. But I know one, I'd hate it. Two, I actually think this friend of a friend or mutual friend probably doesn't enjoy as much job as much as he did doing the creative stuff. But right. then the money comes with it. So it's a real, I don't, I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you both how to suck eggs here because you know this anyway, but like telling yeah. you how to suck eggs or would teaching you, would... your grandma. <laughs> I can't remember yeah. what the phrase no, is. No, I'm afraid I'm rubbish at those things. I always get the back to front. Teaching yeah, anyway, you to suck eggs, Teaching you to suck eggs. Or is it I teaching don't... your grandma to suck eggs? Why would you teach your know. grandma to suck eggs? That sounds it's weird. It's a weird phrase it? and I'm sure it's rooted in something very, very... Um, anyway, what about, what about teach your grandma to drive a Honda Jazz? Let's just yes. go with that. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's it's a constant compromise and balance, I think, being in the creative industry yeah. because more often than not, you're not going to make the money of someone who's a manager or something. But you you 
you're scratching that creative itch and you're doing yeah, what you want to do. Yeah, it makes you happy, so. isn't it? Makes it's, you, doing, yeah. it's doing the things that really give you that fulfilment and you come away feeling really glad you've done it. So you want to keep investing your time into those things mm. rather than perhaps things that might make you more money, but you might be miserable. Well, money isn't isn't yeah, everything exactly. and it I isn't. don't know if that's just a freelancer's way of like consulting I think, myself well, but it certainly helps doesn't it it helps with a lot of problems and helps you take a lot of stresses away if you can afford the things you want in life without having to think too much about it but um mm. so I think that's where it can really help and make life happier but yeah ultimately are you satisfied if you're not like you say scratching that itch of your creativity mm. you know being mm. Uh, all the things that you've got it going on in your mind being made and put out there. Yeah, what's your I guess pur- you're what's your like purpose? me in that you're just constantly got ideas in your mind of what you want to do, want to write, want to make and share with people. And I, I think when you're a creative person, it's quite hard, isn't it? Because I feel like focusing on one project at a time is difficult because I get distracted by the next thing I want to do and haven't quite finished that first thing or I lie awake and all these ideas all come to me of things I want to do. Um, But then I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. I'd rather have that going on in my mind. I would also argue that actually having more wealth will come along with other responsibilities and its own own baggage that would... Which, which actually would, you know, like you say, like either that's, um, you know, you you become, you know, there's more things that are de- you're depending on doing and there's more strains and pressures um, that come along with that. So I think, you know, in some So it's some nice ways, to be poor. Nice being yeah. poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to make, I'm trying to make us all feel better. Um, well, it's, all, it's perspective and management, isn't it? I, I don't know how this has become like a finance podcast, but like it's, <laughs> it's perspective because it's obviously so we, all, we all live in different parts yeah. of the country. So the money we'll need for a mortgage or for renting, whatever, we, will be different and, and relative. And then there's, have you got kids? So, you know, you need a bit more money there, but it's all relative. And if you've got enough to get by and, and, and you're happy, but you've got time to do your creative stuff, then that's probably better than, as Charles says, the responsibilities or... The stresses of having loads of money coming out. I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Actually, I'm just trying to make myself feel better. Um, but I don't know. I think it's, it's we're just it's, trying it's, to justify the fact that we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's just balance and perspective. And you know, Giles talks a lot about gratitude and has already on this episode being grateful for what you've got. And it's difficult in this world. And again, we talk about social media and comparing to other people because you see other people and think, "Oh, I kind of want that. That looks mm. cool." But if you reflect on your own life and what you've got you're probably doing okay and it's just yeah. it's that mindset of being grateful for what you've got yeah i heard once the, the thing about where um sometimes they recommend with your problems and you think about being around with a whole group of people and if everybody had to put their group of we've probably heard this before put their problems into the middle yeah. um and you had to take someone else's problems you'd probably be more likely to take your own ones back than take someone else's I I probably haven't described it very well but actually sometimes I think what you're dealing with actually is not when you look at someone else's problems you think oh actually I'd rather stick with what I'm challenged with (laughs) thanks yeah yeah no it's so true actually and I think if we all did that and reflected on that we you know I think we would we would just have what we've got and uh, and not and not want, you know, like you say, not want other people's. 
Yeah, my main um, problem pressure. last week was <laughs> I, uh, I'm i a bit obsessed with clothes and um, how they fit and stuff. And so I ordered three pairs of jeans from Top Man and they all came and they didn't fit properly. So then I was trying to work out, do I keep them and wear them in and maybe they will fit a bit or do I send them back within two weeks and get my refund? And oh, I, was, man. I spent, this I is spent first three world or four days deliberating. What do I do about the <laughs> jeans? Oh, it was really eating away at me. What um, did you do? I sent them back in the end. All of them? Yeah, all three pairs. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So they had a they whole load of stress for nothing. Yeah, but now I'm like, maybe I should... I was thinking about buying them again because maybe I didn't give them enough time <laughs> to like, wear in. Don't buy the same ones I again. Worry, I worry so Christ. much about this stuff. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with clothes. But, Have you um... got some trousers to wear in the meantime? Yeah, so I've got, two, okay, pairs so got, I've got two pairs of jeans, but they're different sizes, and so they fit... One's a slim fit, one's skinny fit, and I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And it's okay. just, I don't know. But then oh. you're not going to fight. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, wow. Yeah. Difficult. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Life's hard, isn't it? Yeah. It nice. is. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Blimit <laughs> 2020. What is wrong with it? I don't know how, mate, I don't know how you're, <laughs> how I'm you're coping with it. I'm quite proud that I got through this, you know, the fact that I managed to get, get yeah. through this dilemma. Well, it's good to Fairly. share as well, Fairly. isn't it? Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> but honestly, that stuff really eats away at me. I don't, I, I think I need to, I need, it's I'd see my counsellor next week, I need to like ask her about like, how do I deal better when little things come up that aren't important, but actually for me, they really eat away at me. Yeah, so we've all got I... things like that though, haven't we? And our yeah, brains but... all work differently, but yeah. yeah, for some people, those things are so important. You know, all different things are so important. And I think that's where it's trying to... And, and somebody was saying it the other day, and I think it's really true that because 2020 has been so weird um, and everyone at... I don't know, do you talk about the date we're recording? So we're at the end of yeah. 2020. Well, it's fine, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And... Um, I don't think anyone is reacting as they ordinarily would at the moment. So it's almost no. like you can't take anybody um, sort of serious, seriously at the moment. Or you, yeah. you can't take their reactions as genuinely how they yeah. would normally react. Because I think everybody is in such a bizarre place and so exhausted by this year and and all the emotions they've been uh, riding through. Um, and I think that's true. I think we're all a little bit on edge. We're all a little bit oversensitive. We're all a little bit... Um, stressed and anxious yeah so i think everybody is reacting in not quite the way that they ordinarily would yeah yeah I and agree. actually i would say that um i see it in in the kids quite actually it is often it well in in the those little things normally there's something not there's normally something bigger but there's normally the little things that might bother yeah. them so um definitely Talk to your uh, therapist. There's some other oh, underlying God, about the thing that's, that's, um, <laughs> What's it about? that's bothering you. <laughs> I do think you're right, though. Like this year, I think there'll be people that maybe have never even thought they were anxious or thought yeah. about anxiety that will probably be suffering with it. I think we yeah, all like, at some I, point. I don't feel like I feel very fortunate to have not experienced depression um, in the true sense of the word, but I do think I felt depressed this year at times. I think mm. I felt really mm. low and really struggled with just what is going on and what's next for all of us. Um, so yes, I think I think that's true. I think people who have I feel like on on the whole I'm a pretty optimistic, happy person. But yeah, I've really struggled this year, so I sort of worry for the people who who do suffer a lot because it has been hard, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. As as a creative person, though, have you found this year that you've been able to have you had an outlet 
Well, because obviously it's been difficult to make yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've sort of gone into overdrive in that way, but at home in a in a really sort of weird way. So I started making nursery rhymes for the kids in my back garden <laughs> nice. on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I'm writing children's songs and um, doing a few make and do's and things like that. But yeah, no, it's been a bit difficult. I think I've felt hindered. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so nice the other week we did some more BBC super movies they've got some new ones coming out which are all about mindfulness and, and well-being and stuff which I think are going to be so useful for kids um, over the next few months um, but it was so nice to be back in a studio and I doing bet. what I yeah. love it was yeah. only a couple of days but it was really great and then we all got locked down again so yeah, we um we've got yeah. a we've got a fourteen month old. Oh, she need oh she's fourteen months today tomorrow. Um, and um, so we've been watching. Obviously, like CBBS has been yeah. on loop in our house. And actually, yeah. some of the stuff they've they've been doing in the links between shows on anxiety for little ones in the last few months has been fantastic. Good. It's been really, really good. I've noticed that because um, I'm watching a lot of it. So most of the time I'm like, oh, that link's embarrassing. Oh, what are they doing yeah, there? Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> it's been my life. You're just... <laughs> it's like, my oh, whole life. Guys, guys, yeah. guys. Um, but, but you just constantly look being critical about links. Yeah, what but, you do? No, you know, just... as a children's presenter, it's something you learn really yeah. early on is like, you are going to have no pride left. This is not <laughs> if, This is not a job to be in if you want to be cool or yeah, have any yeah. sense of, yeah. They've got a good gang, actually, the CBBS lot yeah, currently. They're, they're, uh, they're really good. Uh, they've got really nice energies about them. Um, but, yeah, I've just noticed they've been, they've been dropping in very subtly little bits about let's talk about our feelings and stuff with, with Dodge. And um, it's been really good. And, then, and Maria's too. Our daughter's too young to obviously know it. But there will be kids out there watching that. It's and helping it will... you, Jim. <laughs> helping yeah, exactly. Me. I know. <laughs> helping me with the, with the genes issue, obviously. So that's... <laughs> yeah. Any help with that, but... <laughs> Well, I think I think you know, kids TV has a really important role. It's not just entertainment. I think actually, in difficult moments like this year, there's almost a responsibility actually to help out, totally. however they can. Yeah, and I think BBC Teach and their BBC Bite Size have worked really, really hard to try and help with the whole home homeschooling. You know, and provide mm. some content to help parents and kids learning at home. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm very proud to work. So. With- so Naomi, after doing um, dance school, what was the what was the first like gig? That was being a red you? coat. Well, no, t- uh, yeah. to be fair, no, I had. What did I do? Oh, so I had a couple of years where I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> and so I was being a receptionist a lot, um, mm. and uh, yeah, a lot of reception work, a lot of photocopying, a lot of carrying the mail around, and those sort of making coffees and those sort of jobs. Um, which I really enjoyed, actually. I quite like being on a reception. It's quite fun. Um, well, you get to meet lots of different people, yeah. don't you? That's, that's quite a nice thing. I guess that probably actually helped when you got to start doing I red I guess so, well, yeah. Um, and then and then I went, oh, I went and uh, did summer camp in America. I was a counsellor in Maine, did dance oh, nice. teaching as, uh, for a summer. So that was wicked. Met friends from all over the world who I stayed in touch with. And so... I would highly recommend anyone to do that if that's yeah, still a thing. I did I did soccer coaching and I was in Maine for a few for a few you weeks. You were in Maine as summer. well. Yeah, two thousand and five, I think I was in Maine. I was Camp uh, Robin Hood. Camp Robin Hood. You we, weren't we, there. We were, we were MLS soccer camps, no? So we oh. were like so- soccer specific. Oh, okay. Camp. And I was in one place that was honestly on the border, on the Can- Canadian was it on the air because we, we crossed the border one day and went for like a drink in Canada. Me and the other cool. coach. 
We were like, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was, yeah, but the drive we up there was lovely because it remains a beautiful state. Yeah, but you are, you're remote, aren't you, on those camps? Yeah. Massively, yeah. So yeah, I did that for a summer and then and then I became a red coat for a couple of years. And then after that, then that's when I got my first television job. Yeah, so tell us about that. What was the first So I, I did a TV show called thing. Carlton Kids, which was for a year on a digital channel. Do you remember On Digital? I think yes. Skylodge yes. and it was on digital and it only lasted that year, I think, and then it kind of we were like this is never gonna last. Yeah. <laughs> so but it was really good because like nobody really watched it so it meant I had this kind of fantastic opportunity to make tons of mistakes and learn learn all about tv presenting without (laughs) hardly anyone seeing it um but yeah we we had great fun we had celebrity guests and we did cooking and fitness and music and pop and oh yeah fashion it was great so it's a kind of kind of high magazine show yeah and they had kids in the audience and yeah it was really good um, was it live? Okay, so, so like that. a kind of yeah, like a going live type. Sort yeah, of thing. sort of magazine show, and we, again, it was yeah. like links in between the programs that they showed, but yeah, yeah had a bit more content to them. Uh, and then after that, I got a job <laughs> at Four Channel Five. Um, it was a, a drama sort of show called Have a Kazoo, and I was Patricia the Baker. Have a kazoo. Have a kazoo. <laughs> we are the crew. We're not sure what we're doing here. We haven't got a clue. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and then I was Patricia the Baker for six months, did that. And then after that, I got invited to do the Milkshake Links. Um, and then I was there for 10 years after that. Amazing. Loved wow. it. Loved preschool. So it's kind of a quick, almost a quick segue into those, into into doing the full yeah. on kind of presenting. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Was it a bit of a baptism of fire uh, for you? But I know particularly the Carlton Kids stuff. Yes, it was, because I didn't really know anything about presenting then and yeah and and actually the the camera crew and the director on that show were so helpful they were so experienced and really helped to guide me and give me tips of what I needed to do differently to to be more helpful to everybody and um yeah I, I, it was great learning curve and I loved it were there any particular moments where things went wrong that you look back now and what through my whole telly life or just on that (laughs) i guess early days i'm sure moments crop up um, you know whenever but don't they but i I remember my first first morning milkshake live and i again i didn't tell anybody i was doing it because i didn't really want anybody to see um and we used to have to throw to channel five news at eight o'clock in the morning just before Bear in the Big Blue House came on and um, I had to throw to Martin and I mistimed it and with Milkshake it was, they were hard counts so basically if you, (laughs) they counted you to zero if you hadn't stopped talking you got cut off and if you had run out of things to say you sat there looking really (laughs) silly for a few seconds (laughs) till the news died so it was great training in terms of you learn to time you know, you're, you're speaking but I mistimed it so badly on my first morning throwing to the news and just sat there going, <laughs> and I think I actually made a little squeaky sound of, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing too, nothing too horrific there. I think that, I think that, are you, go on. I was going to say, are you, are you quite self-critical? Yeah. Do you get, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm a bit so of a, those, those kind bit of, of a perfectionist. Those moments really beat yeah, you up. Yeah, a bit of a perfectionist as well, which comes, I think, from all my family. I think we're all a bit the same. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah, I've beat myself up for mistakes. Do you? Are you oh, yeah. Are you both? You both yeah. The same? I think it's a creative yeah, I would say so, yeah. thing that yeah. creative people do. I want to do a good job. And I like yeah. to prepare mm. and I like to learn my scripts and, 
know what what's being expected of me before I arrive. So if I don't feel prepared enough, then I really stress, I think. I'm exactly the same. I've literally got a Zoom casting after this uh, mm. after this interview, so I need to sort of learn my script so for that. So do you want to go now? And... I'll probably need <laughs> do a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just well, I, just, I just realised I didn't really give you any guidance on what we were going to be talking about today. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, we don't live by our own rules here, do we, Charles? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should do that. Note to self, do prepare the guests before they come on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm the same. I, I do, I'm very self-critical. Uh, we, I kind of sort of see it as like a sort of post-match analysis that I do, you know, like, I mean, probably yeah. even after this podcast, we're thinking, oh, what have yeah. I said there? Yeah. What did I do? They should have said that better, you know, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, That's life in general, though, isn't it? Those yeah, thoughts yeah. just constantly, and actually, this song that I was just mentioning, the BBC Super Movers, they gave me, they've given me such a lovely one, and it is about mindfulness, and it's all about are you going over and over all the things that happened today, and you can't let them go, and you have to, you know, you have to take a deep breath in and let your thoughts go, and it's a really, it's written so well, um, but it's so true. I think we all just run things through our minds, don't we? You go, what did I say? Should I have said that? Would that have been taken yeah. wrong? Yeah. I hope they understood it in the way I meant it. Oh. It's quite exhausting. It is, yeah, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. I read a I great book yeah. called Start, Stop Thinking, Start Living. I think it's called. can't remember who the author is. I've got it over there, but um, it's great. Oh, send me a link. I yeah. will. It's yeah, really good. good. Yeah. Really helped me. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think we do, yeah. We become, I think we've said this before on the pod, but we, we kind of become our own worst trolls sometimes. Completely. And, and lovely Dr. Rada, who I know you've yeah. interviewed, and um, she, I've a bit like you really, I've sort of connected with her through Twitter, and um, I've never actually met her in person. Um, she's she's come online to do one of my virtual Zumbas, bless her, which I've been doing <laughs> oh, to keep really? myself going. Oh, amazing. And, uh, yeah, no, she's lovely, but her advice is so good, yeah. isn't it, when she, she gives you advice of... Stop, you know, she's like, Would you say those things to someone else? No, you wouldn't. So stop exactly. saying them to yourself. And it's so true. We beat ourselves up so badly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and most of the time, like, you know, even that moment um when you, you did that link, you might, you know, someone might go, Oh, you know, or or oh, that was annoying. But actually you you know, you're into work the next day, you're doing you yeah. know, you're doing the same thing again. It doesn't most matter. People are it doesn't, making you know... the breakfast for the children or whatever, exactly. they're not even looking or, and noticing. Yeah. Yeah. If it's seven fifty nine, they're That's doing their it. tweets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, so I think it, we we look at those things ourselves, don't we? And are hypercritical, and I guess maybe in some respects, you know, that's that's quite useful sometimes you know that like you say so we can get to a level or we can and uh, do something to the, to the, to the our best mm. ability um but at the same time yeah i think we need to cut ourselves yeah and keep in perspective i think it's just that thing of like i've always been told it's it's only television and it is true it, in the yeah. at the end of the day compared to some people's jobs what mm. we're doing it it's not gonna really be the end of things for some people you know I th- yeah, and I think actually it's quite good when things go. I wrong. do. I love it actually. <laughs> yeah. So I've done a lot of work with children and animals. You know, done a lot of wildlife. Oh, telly, well, they're going to say yes. Go, I was going to ask you about. <laughs> yeah, animals. they say don't work yes. with children and animals, and I've done both on live telly, and it's amazing. <laughs> I, I think it's brilliant, and I think it's just about um, laughing along with what goes wrong. I think I always advise people who started presenting, you know, with us, and just say, well, if it goes wrong, if you can laugh about it and enjoy yeah. it 
then it's okay. I think if you look stressed, then it makes the audience feel really on edge. But if you can be relaxed enough to just go with it and go, oh, well, it's live, um, then people are very forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. So the milkshake um, job, was that was that quite, a, was that a permanent thing? Were you still freelancing? No, I was staff there. So I was full time yeah. opening all their so posts. Nice. I guess you had that security, yeah. didn't you? Like, what was that like going, then going into to freelance? Yeah. Was it a bit of a shock? Yeah, huge shock. And especially in television, you know, because... Yeah, it's it's so unknown, isn't it, what you're doing there? So I got um, a job called Live and Deadly, a series called Live and Deadly with Steve Backshaw, who you might know from yes. Deadly 60. Deadly 60, <laughs> I'm like, Steve. Love it. he's brilliant. Um, well, we love love your, your oh, nightmares thanks. as well. Um, so, yeah, so it was so nice to work with him. We did a series, but then beyond that, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so it was a bit of a risk to leave a job that was solid, but it was a BBC series and I'd always wanted to work for the CBBC and it felt like a great opportunity. So I had a go and thankfully it, it worked out. So CBBC have kept me going the last 10, 11 years. Well, things, things, yeah, often I mean, do, constant. A, yeah. things do work out, don't they? I think it's certainly it, if you do take the leap and, and give it a go. Yeah, might not necessarily work out in the way you thought or hoped, but things do have a way of sort of, of working out. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, thankfully it did for me in that one. And they, we had another series came back and yeah, it just then sort of snowballed into Nightmares of Nature and then Marion Mum and Dad came along, mm. which is, I don't know if you know that one, that's the series where children plan their parents' weddings. Oh, amazing. It's, so it's a bit like Don't Tell the oh, Bride. Oh my God, that sounds, yeah, we've done, that sounds stressful. Yeah, we've done seven <laughs> series and we were due to do series eight this year, but obviously because of COVID we couldn't do it. Um, but yes, that is a brilliant series to have worked on. That's, that's a great idea funny. for a show. Wow. Yeah. That's... What, what, um, I haven't seen that show, right? right? So, so the premise of it, what, so children yeah. plan the wedding, but they have to basically come up with the outfits, the transport, the venue, the <laughs> costumes, oh, I said that, uh, the cake, and the entertainment. So they're the, the elements that the kids have to devise for each wedding based around a theme. Are there limits to what they can... Say well, I guess budget limits, but <laughs> yeah. not to their imagination. No, they <laughs> they go wild. So that's been really fun. That's amazing. That's do amazing. the parents? All... What's been the most? Sorry, Sorry do Jim. the parents all because don't tell no. the bride. Like you can quite often tell they they don't. They don't even know if even if the kids doing it. Yeah, no, I think I think there is an element of they know what they signed up for. Yeah. Especially, I mean, series one was a bit different because nobody knew the show. So for those sets of parents, that was a real <laughs> leap of faith. Um, but no, once you've seen a few series, then I think you know that you're going to be quite embarrassed and you're probably going to be asked to do something you really don't want to do and but, face a fear or something But you like get that. a great story at the end of it. But yeah, yeah, and get a nice wedding video. Exactly. Yeah, well, there you go. If you, <laughs> yeah, if you exactly, don't mind being yeah. dressed up as like a spider or a superhero or you know whatever costume they put you in, oh, I'd have probably done that. I think I'd have done. I'd have done that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great one because um, because they've obviously not decided to get married before having children. It's sort of something that I think a lot of the members of the family never thought they'd see the day where it would happen. Right, so sometimes okay, yeah, it's yeah. really emotional, especially with the grandparents. Um, 
when it comes to their special day and it's a really privileged position to be in because all of a sudden we're all dressed up and you know the kids usually put me and Ed who's my co-presenter on it in the the most ridiculous costume so I've been a flip-flop a back end of a camel a a tent um what else have I been oh you name it I've been a minotaur peasant um so yes, we've been dressed up in these crazy costumes and you look around the room and everybody in the family is dressed up and it's so bonkers and so bizarre and then you reach the moment where they come to say their vows to each other and all of a sudden it goes all serious and the costumes almost evaporate and people get yeah. all emotional and tearful um, and it's really, it's quite, it's quite a, a lovely show to be a part of. I'm quite gutted that I'm married now. because Yeah, I know, <laughs> we have children going... Can you get divorced so that we can go on the show? <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah? What you could renew your vows though? You could could do, you? Yeah, yeah, maybe we could do that. Yeah, it's an extension. Yeah. <laughs> what would you What would you hope that your child would choose for you? Though that's the thing. Oh. See, I'd probably have to dress up in like Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the thing, isn't it? It's what your kids are into at that moment. It's probably yeah, what exactly. you'll end up being. Oh, right now I'd be dressed as, dressed as Hey Dougie, I think, would be. Oh, would you? Would be Maria, Maria's <laughs> choice. Yeah, she loves Hey Dougie. Thank God, it's an amazing show, so that's, uh, that's yeah, good. I think yeah, I think one of the worst ones we had there was a haunted house wedding. The kids chose us to do a haunted oh. house wedding. And they dressed, they, I don't know, and they dressed up mum and dad as Dracula and the bride of Dracula. <laughs> and they, nice. they had to go in this black cart drawn by black horses to the it was the most haunted house they could find in the UK and it, they had to step out of coffins to say their vows oh, wow. and then the dad who hated spiders who's really terrified of spiders was sent down into the basement of this cold creepy oh, house to put his hand in a sort of container of tarantulas to get the ring before he could marry oh it was I know, you were just like, this is mean. That's mean, yeah. But it made that great telling. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man, amazing. Was, um, I'm just sort of going, just winding back a little bit. Were there times where you, like I'm saying when you got, went freelance, because it's a big step to do that, and I think, were there times where you thought, oh, like, not regret, but do you think, did you think, oh, I wish I hadn't made that step? Um... Well, I think after the first series of Live and Deadly and there was a bit of a hiatus, there was like six months where I wasn't sure what was happening next. Mm. Um, or no, I think they'd commissioned series two. So I think we knew that we were, next autumn we were going to be doing another one, but I had this six-month gap where I didn't know mm. what I was going to be filling that with. That time was really quite scary. I was, um, yeah, because I'd left such a secure job, which I loved with mm. all my heart, and I'd thrown 10... Because I'd been producing Milkshake as well, it literally had taken up every second of my waking hours um just working so hard we were such a small team so we'd we'd do everything we'd sort of write the songs we'd choreograph the dances we'd get the costumes sorted we'd write the scripts you know between we did edit it all um so we'd we'd put so much into that so then to step away and suddenly be I was just presenting, so I was literally having to do just what was given to me and didn't have the same kind mm. of say in what I was doing. And also it was a wildlife programme and that's not my expertise, so I was very much out of my depth there and being told, um, given all the information. Um, so I think I felt very vulnerable then. 
and and yeah. quite scared. So I think at that stage, it, I I was worried I'd made the wrong decision. Um, but then, as I say, thankfully, CBBC sort of took me under their wing and mm. gave me various projects and and then it got ridiculously busy and has been amazing. It's hard sometimes, isn't it, in those difficult moments to kind of keep that self-belief in yourself because, you know, we'll all be in jobs for a reason. Someone will have given us a job, commissioned something, whatever, because they believe in you. But, like, sometimes if you're not sure what you're doing afterwards, you can get that self-doubt can creep in. You think, oh, actually, maybe I'm not very good at this or maybe I've been given this as, like, a sympathy job or something like that. It's just that all creeps in. As a presenter, you're, it's not quite the same with acting jobs where you can use the excuse of, oh, well, I'm not right for that role. I obviously don't look right. I've not got the right accent, not tall enough, whatever mm. it might be. Um, whereas when it's presenting, you're just totally judged on you and your personality and your look. And so that can be quite hard to take, I think, because mm. it is purely personal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not personal. It is. It, it actually is. really it's, is. It's so personal. Yeah. 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 So I, th- I think that's yeah, that's, that's hard. the harder part of it. Um, and and I think when you've when you've worked so hard for something, you know, like I said, I had that folder of rejection letters, and I'd worked so hard to get a job. And then when you're sort of, I, I suppose with presenting as well, it's not the same as in other roles in television, where you might start as researcher, a runner, and then researcher, and then you work to AP and producer and director and whatever you might want to work on to be exec. There's not the same progression. You're just presenting or you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. somebody who's just started presenting yesterday is in the same position as you are if you've been doing it 20 years. It, it's, it's. I think that's quite difficult about it. Mm. You obviously build up a profile or you build up a sort of reputation that hopefully will mean you might get a job because of that. But, Yeah. You're either working or you're not, isn't it? Yeah. You think it's... Yeah, of course. Do you think... I was just thinking for people now who are wanting to get into, like, children's... Well, presenting in general, do you think it, there are, it, it, it's any easier to get into those things? I mean, obviously, with, you know, YouTube and stuff like that, you can create your own content. Yeah. Um, but, that I mean, that comes with its own um, difficulties. But challenges but yeah do you think it do you think it's easier nowadays to do it i don't know i mean it seems like a lot of people are coming through that route so from social media and then if they're successful on those platforms then the tv Mm. companies will pick them up and use them because of the profile they've already built up so i think that's happening a lot so i think Mm. that makes it appealing for young people wanting to get into it to be on those platforms and working really hard to try and get their followers up and stuff Doesn't necessarily. Mm. Yeah. That's important. Do you think to have to, to have to have a social media following? It feels like it is these days. I mean, I'm not okay. the one employing people, um, but but when I look around me, I I see that happening a lot. Yeah, we've heard that from actors as well. Actually, I think it's happening in a lot a lot of spaces. Mm. I find it a bit depressing, if I'm honest. Yeah. Same. But yeah, um, because. Because I think when I look back, you know, I I had to work so hard and I had to audition and I had to screen test and then you, you had to go through all the stages to get the job. Mm. So I think then when somebody just suddenly gets invited having done nothing and then if they're not yeah. particularly good, it's fine if they're great, you know, and there are a lot of people who, hats off to them, are absolutely brilliant. 
Um, but when that happens and they're a little bit rubbish, that's quite galling. On all yeah. the people who have been studying hard, working hard, training hard, say a musical theatre or something like that. Happens in musical theatre a lot. Yeah, for I have a the, bit of issue with that. Yeah, because they want bums on seats, so they get the main role, the lead roles go to TV stars and people. Are, my wife is trained in musical theatre, so um, yeah, yeah, we know that I well really quite well. Feel and, that pain. Yeah, yeah, uh, and having loads of followers doesn't necessarily mean you're really good or, or even ready. Like it's exactly. it's okay to have loads of followers, but then have to go through the same process everyone else does because that's part of the training well that's what I feel and especially with musical theatre and dance and, and drama and stuff like that it's such an art and people you know or I don't know people who play instruments it just takes so much study and hmm. practice and it has been years and years of those people in the West End you know training to then audition to get those roles so yeah, yeah that must feel really tough when somebody just sidesteps in well, and then gets paid way more because a lot of those yeah. West End roles actually aren't yeah. particularly well paid either. Nope. We know we know people that are, that are starring in the West End and having to do second jobs, you know, alongside. You just can't it, believe is, it, can you? It's mad, and the skills that these people have are unbelievable. But it's uh, it's an unbalanced. Uh, sounds like an unbalanced industry, West End certainly. Um, it's funny. It's one. I think it was a, a few actors have mentioned it to me, and I I hadn't thought of it. As being something like in 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 I guess in the performance industry and you know and obviously in yours as well, Naomi, like that that would make it would make any difference. Like it's a weird, it's so you know that actually that would count for anything really. I mean, obviously you've got you know the potential to have a bigger audience because of that person's profile, but at the same time, like you say, they need to be the right person for. the the project mm. and and have the right remit and skills so it's it's, it's a funny but i think thing. in tv presenting and stuff it's probably not quite the same and it is more like you say it's just what people want to watch and a lot of those things have made me scratch my head in recent years anyway you know i look on what's happening on social media mm. and i cannot believe some of the stuff that gets so many views and what people mm. are going to watch and i just think it's really poor <laughs> poorly produced or it's boring or it's not funny or and yet it does brilliantly and so there's so much of that going on that I don't really understand where we're going with the content um creatively but Mm. if people are watching it that's all that people mind about now isn't it so well it all comes down I I think with the theatre it's a, a different kettle of fish well theatre you need to sell tickets you need to sell seats and that's what you know theatre companies and producers and stuff will care about understandably but i think you're right the content thing like it's really difficult when you see stuff that's doing really well and you think that's not very good to then like be really try and like not let that sway your creativity and think well if that's what's doing well Mm. maybe i should do that but i think it's difficult to then stick to what you believe in and what you think is right even if you're not getting anywhere near the number of views let's stick to our perfectionist exactly characteristics yeah (laughs) well i think you've got to i mean it's easy to you know and and you know it's easy to get sometimes not envy's not the right word but it's easy to look around and see other people doing well and 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 feel like despondent about that if if it's not stuff you think is necessarily 
worthy or good enough um but i think at the end of the day we have to do we can only do ourselves yeah. can't we you, you know you do That's you it. so you know it, 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 yeah and i think you have to stick to your own your own path and, and and worry about what you're doing um and it's something i'm i'm, I'm saying it out loud and think you know saying it to myself as well um because i i fall foul of it as well so yeah it's um yeah and that's part of just you know i guess us being creatives we want to you know we want to we want we want everyone to see our work and yeah that's the thing isn't it and you want it to be quality and entertaining and things like that um but yeah there are a lot of skills i think that i feel i've learned over the years as a tv presenter but i don't know i don't know whether it counts when it comes you know because that sort of quality thing of I don't know, it's the same with um, uh, the production qualities of things because so much is now shot on a phone and then put out on telly and we've all got used to that way, which is sort of... Then that puts sound recordists and uh, technical managers and lighting directors Mm. and all the people who spend so many hours making things look and sound incredible for film and telly. Mm it becomes less important because we've all got used to watching almost you've been framed style yeah. content yeah. <laughs> and we're fine with it. We're like, well, I can just about hear it. So it's all right. Um, whereas obviously all the rules and regulations we've really abided with at, at work sort of have gone out the window a little bit at times. Yeah. You know, where we'd be recording stuff and we'd definitely wait for an aeroplane to finish yeah. flying over before yeah. we carry yeah. on. Yeah. Now, if someone's yeah. just out on their phone and they're filming something, it doesn't matter. And isn't it the way whenever you're filming outside, like you never, you forget how noisy the world is until oh, you hit yeah. record. Suddenly it's like 400 oh, helicopters. God, yeah. like, Dog what? barks, yeah. number of fires up. Yeah, totally. I swear it wasn't that noisy half an hour ago. Yeah, completely. The way, the way of TV. It's hard, isn't it? It's It's... I found I feel a bit doom and gloom about it. That's I feel a bit like I'm being a bit morbid about it all. But um... yeah, but I think <laughs> I think uh, but no, but I've, I I'm I you know I don't think it's been doom and gloom. I think it's it's I think again it's uh, us wanting to make sure that we put out really good stuff. Yeah, like and I think you know quality. sometimes you yeah yeah, and I think we I think you know it's the same. I mean I've been playing in bands for years and years, and and soon as streaming came along, um, everyone was doing music and everyone could and that was good it meant there was a platform for everybody but at the same time it did mean that that there i mean you could argue that there shouldn't be gatekeepers to these things and that you know um but i think there is there's a there's a line where is like there's lots more content but quite a lot of it's not as yeah. good um but at the same time there is some good content that's now getting the chance to be seen so it's it's a it's a really hard um, kind of tip for um, tat that you have to kind of work I'm out. I'm sort of whittling through it all as well. I heard the other day that something like yeah. 500 hours of content is being uploaded to YouTube every minute. I think I heard. Wow! And it's like, so how much. can anyone monitor that? And yeah, no. You know what is being put out there all the time? It's <sighs> it's crazy. Isn't that's it? mad. But by the, very, the very ratio of that, it's not all going to be good. Like that's just that's just <laughs> not possible. <laughs> like, definitely not. I can imagine it's quite a lot of that. <laughs> <is> <laughs> not good. <laughs> but one minute you, of it will be good. <laughs> You said that would be a good ratio, actually. I think if yeah. one minute of that. But you said something earlier, Naomi, that sort of struck me about just like when it comes down to it, us as creatives just want to be doing good stuff. We just want to try and put out stuff that we think is good. I find that with every job I do, like I don't, I don't, 
necessarily want to be the best comedian in the world or like the best actor or whatever. I just want to like do a good job and yeah. like think have my peers and those people done. yeah think that oh jim's yeah. all right yeah jim jim does a good job jim's reliable yeah. and just that's his jeans didn't fit but he's all right. <laughs> jeans are way too skinny but <laughs> and he drives a honda jazz but anyway yeah um... you sit in this great snooker table <laughs> yeah ah oh, the, the night <laughs> since, oh, then, oh, since then yeah good times but sorry jim i ruined a very poignant <laughs> moment i don't know you just want to i just want to do a good just do a good job that's all I want to do, really. Yeah. I'm not. I don't feel like it's asking for too much, but that is what drives a lot of my insecurities and is worrying about whether I'm doing that or not. Yeah, I think that's about then having really good friends around you and people that you trust their opinion and people who will be honest with yeah. you and who will tell you truthfully, if but in a kind way, <laughs> so it doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. finish you off. Um, but yeah, people who will be honest you, about what you're doing. Do you have that? Do you have that? Yeah, I. It was quite interesting. So one of my friends from Camp America who lives in Australia, a great friend who I don't speak to as often as I should, but he gave me great advice years ago when I was about 20 about cutting people out in your life who just are not yeah. helpful to you and you know where the friendship is not two-way, where you feel you're doing all the chasing or you're doing all the putting out all the <laughs> positive vibes and you're getting nothing back and it's making you feel bad to be in connection with those people it's just just remove yourself from them just don't don't have them in your space and that was really helpful advice to me and I followed it and that really helped and now I really take care to surround myself with people where I feel like we're supporting each other um and yeah, you learn who you can trust, and yeah. and that's lovely to have people around you that you can trust. And I, I, I think I used to be a, a, I used to be such an open person, and I used to just share everything. And um, then I met my husband, and he's fiercely private, and he taught me that I don't need to tell everybody every single detail, <laughs> and that was another really helpful thing in my life. And um, so I think just by becoming a bit more private and finding the people that I can trust and relying on them and share with those but perhaps keep it in a small circle that's sort of really helped me in my life I think hmm. You've only, there's only so much yeah, energy up. sorry Josh there's only so much energy in the day and there's only so much energy and time you can spend with people so you might as well spend that with people that as you say you can trust yeah and there's hardly anyone you can spend that much time with yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's it's not very normal, is it? And this whole no. lockdown is hugely mm. challenging for everybody because yeah. you may love your family, but you don't necessarily want to be with them all the time. Yeah, I think it's important, <laughs> you, especially at the moment this year. Like, it's important to reach reach out, reach out to others as well. Um, you're so good at that. And, you know, oh mm. my goodness, your Twitter well, feed is to. just it's so uplifting, Giles. It's like almost oh, everything you. you put out there is really, really positive and makes me feel better. And and makes the oh, whole space feel nice. nice. Yeah. I just think Twitter's I've I've found Twitter's been a very nice space. Um, well it's needed at the moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, well, I guess that's yeah, kind of you know what you know. I, I mean, it is it is it is me. I'm I am that person. But yeah, I think it's nice to share that stuff just because, like, say, we all kind of need. It. It helps me as well, you know, like putting out nice stuff means, you know, that I feel good as well. So, you know, it's for selfish reasons. Yeah, like that Friends episode. <laughs> There's no, yeah, no yeah. good deed. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I was having this really philosophical talk with my wife. She did sociology at uh, um, A-level and we were talking about that idea of that is there is there any um, act of kindness? Because, you know, often when we do kind things, it it helps us, doesn't it? It makes us feel better. And um, it's quite a it's quite an interesting concept, this sort of idea that we don't, you know, even uh, having said that, there's this idea of selfish kindness as well, which is, you know, it's, um, it's okay to it's okay to do kind things and kinds act in a way that it helps you as well. So yeah, it's a but funny it's one. a good thing, I isn't it? To... Even if that's true yeah, or not, exactly. it's a good thing because it yeah. just means you exactly. both feel good. You sent out kindness, you feel good. The person yeah. who's received the kindness feels good. So it doesn't win, win. matter yeah, whether exactly. it's a thing or not. Yeah, it it makes everyone feel good. So it's better than not doing it. Exactly, exactly. That's what that was my that was my argument. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got really philosophical. Well, so whether it's true or not, keep doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind. Oh, that, that means a lot. Um, and it's nice. It's nice to hear that it's having that impact on people. Mm. So that's nice. Well, I always set myself thank a rule when I started on social media. I was like, I'm not going to put anything negative out there just because I think, what's the point? So I kind of set myself a rule of that. And whatever my opinions on programs I'm watching or, mm. I don't know, things that are going on in the world, I was just like, well, I feel them but I don't feel the need to share them with anybody. No. That's good restraint. I I keep telling myself the same thing, but then, like, a right-wing politician pops up with something, and I think, oh. Well, yeah. They... I could tell him to fuck off. Oh, I literally could do it right now. Uh, and that's very difficult to, to stop that. Um, but, yeah, you do, I think, you put out an image. If you're constantly putting out negative stuff, then I think you create an image of yourself as a negative person so you've been that positive well and i think stuff. that's you know part of it doing children's television i've got a certain responsibility as well that even yeah. though those platforms aren't supposed to have kids on them they do and um you know i'm always i suppose a bit conscious of mm. yeah, yeah of course that's fair. Might see. Yeah. that's fair yeah yeah before before we go i uh, i've got to ask you about um now, now, if I get the title wrong, I know, it's sorry. a, it's a it's been a while since Naomi's we watched Nightmares it, right? Nightmares of Nature, that one. Night- Nightmares of <laughs> yeah. Nature, because this, I think that's when I first saw you on TV, actually, was watching that with the kids, and um, loved that programme. Mm. It was incredible. I just had these few years where I was, four years, I was just all around the world and pinching myself every new country. I just could not believe it happened to me. It was magnificent. Best, best animal you best saw? Best animal. Oh, so many. I had an amazing experience swimming with wild dolphins. And Whoa. that was in the Bahamas. So the water was just turquoise and beautiful. Oh, amazing. And I had an amazing experience swimming with a green turtle in Australia. Whoa. The Barrier Reef. Um, they, they are kind of pinch pinch me moments, aren't they? I was thinking that actually. With, with, are there moments when you're filming those things thinking, oh... This is yeah. this is my job. Yes. All the time was that feeling, and we did a show called All Over the Place as well, which also sent us all around the world um, to do quite bonkers things, like a Dunny Derby in Australia, where we sat in a portaloo and had to do a race. You know, something like that. Um, but yeah, loads of times where I pinched myself and couldn't believe it. But then other times where you go, we're going to Costa Rica, yay! And you're going to go on a nighttime spider walk, and you go, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so oh, okay. it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. what have I got to do when I get there? <laughs> um, yeah, so. Do you like travelling? Yeah, though? I love it. Yeah, do you? I love travelling. I love airports as well. Loads of people hate airports, but I really enjoy I like Do you airports. like airports? Yeah. I love airports. It feels exciting. Yeah, reminds me of being on holiday when I was little. Um, 
yeah, so no, I, I love traveling. Um, but it was challenging. There was times where we were very remote in mm. quite um, in places where we didn't know what wildlife might come along and visit us. Um, you know, quite open huts or, you know, and I, I have not been the biggest fan of spiders. I am so much better mm. now, but I used to be Are phobic you? of them. And same with uh, sharks. I was phobic of sharks, like completely. I hadn't been in an aquarium till I'd started Live and Deadly. I just wouldn't go in one, even if there wasn't a shark in there. I was that frightened, couldn't watch them on telly. Wow. So then being asked to go in the water with sharks was huge um, fear-facing for me. Wow. Do you know where you got that from? Was that from watching Jaws? Or I think it probably or... was. I mean, I didn't watch. I've yeah. never seen Jaws. I saw a bit of Jaws two, so it might have been from seeing a little bit of that. Jaws one's better. Is it? Jaws two is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen that. It's obviously a fake shark yeah. as well, quite a lot of the time. So yeah. Yeah. So I don't know whether it, I don't know whether it was that. Um, I'm not entirely sure where that phobia came from, but yeah. So then being asked to get in the water with thirty mm. odd sharks. <laughs> what kind of sharks were they? Oh, well, I've done were a few. I've done. Not I think I've done seven different species now, but the first time it was black tips um, in South okay. Africa, and uh, so I met a girl called Ella. She was only eight at the time with her parents, who are amazing shark advocates, and they got in the water. And then Ella, who's eight, got in the water, and Whoa. I was like, I can't not get in the water now. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lame as anything. Um, <laughs> And, you know, once you've gone all the way to South Africa and you're in your wetsuit and you've gone out on the boat and the sharks are there and you're being reassured that it's going to be okay, Mm. you're kind of like, this is a moment in life I've got to grab with both hands. I've just got to, just got to go for it. And I was terrified, but it was amazing. I'm so glad I I did it. I was going to say, have there been moments where you're like, I don't know if I can do, you know, I don't know if I can do this. All the time. All the time. And yeah. it's the night before. It's And I talk to children yeah. about this, that sort of feeling the night before when you know you've got something coming up the next day and you're really dreading it and you just... How often have you done this where you've got something tomorrow and you know it's going to be awful or you don't want to do it and you've, you've imagined the whole experience in your mind. You've pictured it, you know what it's going to be like yeah. and then you get there the next day and it is never anything like you imagined it the night before and that's something I've trained myself to now realise is that everything i imagine it's going to be it will never be like that it'll be completely different and probably be brilliant yeah way more brilliant than you think it's going to be yeah so even with children doing a play at school or something in assembly or things like that i think it's the same lesson that you teach yourself and you learn through your life that those i don't want to do that i've never done this before i don't know what it's going to be like always surprise you and they're never as bad as you think they're going to be yeah. yeah it's like a protective i wonder if it's like uh, goes back to like caveman times where it's like a fight or flight thing but it's like we're protecting ourselves against so our brain tells us these negative things to stop us doing it or put mm. ourselves in danger i guess sometimes it's not maybe yeah yeah i mean there's a certain amount with wild animals you've got to be careful yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there was a time we went out to look at lions at night time in south africa and um that's the time I thought I was going to die. I was we were in this open jeep, and we went to watch the behaviour of lions change from daytime to nighttime. So in the day they were all sleepy, and we could see them. And then at nighttime, the light went. So we only had this kind of red infrared sort of light that was running off the car battery, and we obviously couldn't run it 
too much, otherwise <laughs> the car wouldn't start. Jeep. Um, so when you put the light on, you could see where these lions were. Turned it off for a bit, and then when you turned it back on, they'd all moved, and you hadn't heard them at oh, all. That's oh, terrifying. God. And then this female got up, and then some of her... I don't know, siblings or other pride members came around and then they literally walked very slowly with their eye and I was front left of the Jeep, all open. You know what those Jeeps are like on safari. Mm. I was front left. It came right within a pounce of me and they were looking at me and I was like, please can we go, please can we go? And I was like whispering because they were saying stay still as well. I was like, please can we go, please can we go? And eventually they turned the engine on and the lions walked off and left the... I was crying. I was I, I hearing my heartbeat in my head. I was yeah. just like, I really thought that was how I was going to end my days, being <laughs> mauled by lions. Oh. oh, I would do the same. That, that sounds absolutely terrifying. I think I'd be, yeah. But the ranger, you know, the ranger was like, he knew these creatures so well and he was reassuring and he was saying, you know, he knows how they would look if they were going to attack and he knew them. Uh, and so it was a matter of us trusting him and he was like, it wouldn't be worth our while as rangers for this safari to put anyone in danger because that's their livelihood yeah. um but yet trusting what an animal yeah. is going to do and mm. when i don't know them as well that was utterly petrifying i sort of get that on a this is on a much 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 lower level but i sort of get that every time i pet a dog um because do you? oh i love dogs i love dogs as well but I, I don't know if maybe i was bitten by one as a kid i don't remember but i'm always like this is probably going to be fine there's always that slight, is this dog going to bite me? We, we had a cat, actually, uh, when I was younger, who was a feral and um, did not like us, would attack us a lot. So maybe it comes from that. <laughs> like, if you, yeah, if you were first down I in the morning, so. if you were first down in the morning, like, your feet would have a lot of scratches uh, and she would let you know uh, that she ruled the kitchen. Um, I don't like cats. I, yeah, I don't mind cats. I I'm, I'm definitely prefer dogs. I prefer oh, dogs. Oh, so have you got, oh, look, you've got a beautiful <laughs> cat. Looking all He's down there. Idyllic. He's lovely, actually. But I know it's rarer to get a friendly nice. cat than a friendly dog. Oh, I may have just alienated half our audience by saying that. Um, but I think so. Yeah. Alienated yeah, me, Jim. To be but honest. I don't know. I still just when I go pet any animal, pet a dog or a cat, I'm, there's always that. I'm just a bit like it's probably going to be fine, but they could attack me, but they won't. But they could. So. Yeah, but it's not safari with No, lions, as I said, it? it's not, yeah. Or, sli- or swimming <laughs> no. with sharks. But yeah, well, I say that to kids as well. It's always worth having your wits about you, isn't it, with any animal. You never yeah. know how they're going to react, and you have got to be yeah. cautious about approaching a new dog even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't know their temperament and stuff. So. Exactly. That's way better put than what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. You have got to be careful. Well... Naomi Wilkinson, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank, thank you so much. So nice to meet you, Ben. You too. Well, uh, thank you so much for being, uh, for letting us be your first podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. That's thank amazing. you for asking me. This is the me. start of a, well, no, it's a pleasure. No, I've been wanting to get you on for ages. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope it's the first of many well, podcast that appearances nice. that you make. Yeah, your podcast is <laughs> amazing. You've got an elite les- list of um, guests you've had on feel very honoured to join yeah. that club oh, well, it's, a, it's our honour to have you on so thank you so thank much you. for your time today pleasure
Well, there we go. Naomi Wilkinson on the Blank Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so uh, lovely to talk to her. Yeah, it was really nice. Really nice person. Lovely energy. Just very friendly, positive. And again, you know, we're lucky with these pods. It's people whose company we get to spend an hour or, or so in. And um, it's always really lovely and enriching, really. Um, we hope that our listeners feel the same way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Naomi. Um, it's just nice to know, isn't it? Someone so successful and with such a consistently you know impressive cv and career still has the same issues and worries that we do yeah. about stuff and i think that's you know that have to, comes up a lot on the podcast it's, it's quite reassuring really so and but it takes our guests to be a bit open and vulnerable about that and so you know we do appreciate it so thanks naomi just a, yeah. another lovely guest brilliant yeah we did talk at length about those you know our you know we've talked about this again on the on the pod before but that that, that us our being our own worst trolls when, when it comes yeah. to work and stuff and wanting to make sure that our standards are always high but you know having that kind of analysis of of what we've done and and, and kind of thinking that we may have not done it in the right way you know even after we come off this conversation with our guests i'm often thinking oh did i say that in the right way or, you know i yeah. probably stuttered a bit there or i was too many ums and ahs and all that kind of stuff so you're always kind of thinking about it and, yeah and um yeah um it's actually been quite meta now i'm thinking about the fact <laughs> that i'm sort of warbling and rambling on so yeah but as we <laughs> so, said yeah. on the pod that stuff doesn't really matter because no one else is noticing it or no. thinking it, but it's only you so it's um trying to sort of let go of that is it's it's it's, it's a big thing not easy mm. but probably quite powerful when you can do it so um yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Another great episode. Thank if you. If you would Naomi. like to get in touch with us, you can. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. At BlankPod. And you can also email us. That old fashioned technology. <laughs> Remember those. Um the blank podcast twenty eighteen at gmail.com. Yeah, we're really love to aging hear ourselves you. with that email address, aren't we? I know we are. But it's quite nice in a way because we can look back. In in yeah. in the year twenty uh, 43 when we're on episode 6,000 <laughs> <laughs> we can go <laughs> remember 2018 oh before... Jim do you remember the days when, when life was easier to... yeah <laughs> before we'll be lockdown 400 yeah we'll be getting holographic kind of messages from people yeah. by then I should think um, anyway thank you for listening <laughs> to the Bank Podcast it's lovely 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 to hear from you so please do send us some messages and thanks for listening and I guess we'll be back here next week with another amazing guest Indeed. on the Black podcast. Bye. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. 
This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.